Well, welcome, Ward Church. My name is Soon Park, and I'm excited to be with you as we start part two of our reset series, as we reset into the life of the church. You know, there's these three seating chart uh, ways that we're looking at about resetting ourselves. Last week, Pastor Scott looked at uh, rows, and we saw that this is a primary way that we've seen uh, people engaging in worship. Uh, usually we're sitting in rows, probably a little more distance than the picture shows, uh, but where we're teached. And there's something great that happens as we learn, as we're transformed as the community of God. Today we're going to look at circles, and you know, circles where we can get to know each other and uh, be intimate and grow together in this circle. The best expression is a small group sitting around in a living room. You'll get to hear a story later in a service of how powerful a small group can be. And next week, we're going to look at the chair, that one-on-one time with God where we can be quiet and still and reflect and grow in our faith, in our intimacy with God alone in our chair. But today, we're going to look at the circle, the circle. And maybe for you, it's less of a circle and it looks more like a grid, Uh, you know, uh, This grid is what community has looked like as 80% of our small groups have gone uh, digitally on Zoom. And you may look and see some familiar faces on the screen. And this is how we've had community in this time and season. So less of a circle, more of a grid, but you get it, the idea of a circle. And what this means is that circles essentially is community like I shared where you can know others and be known at a deep, deep level. And I've shared this quote uh, many times by Pastor Tim Keller, but I want to bring it up again. He says, our greatest desire is to be fully known and accepted. And at the very same time, our greatest fear is to be fully known and rejected. Let's say that again. Our greatest desire is to be fully known and accepted. And at the very same time, our greatest fear is that we're fully known and rejected. That there's this deep desire in us to be fully known, our stories, our brokenness, our hurt, even our shame. Fully laid out before someone, without judgment, receive this acceptance and love. And at the same time, we have this deep fear that we're somehow going to be exposed. That when those things in us that we try to hide come up to the surface, that will be rejected, condemned, and cast out. And no matter what your faith background may be, I think we can all agree that there's a tension we live between those two statements. Every time we pursue a relationship, every time we uh, choose to be vulnerable with someone, anytime we put ourselves out there and feel that tension where we want them to know us and accept us, but fearing they will reject us if they really knew who we really were. And... The beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that he comes to resolve that tension. And through his rejection, through his rejection, we find our acceptance, not in a fleeting sense, but with this eternal weight behind it. And how does that really change a person when they're accepted beyond what they can present to someone else? How do they change? And how do they become someone who's truly accepted? What do they look like? Listen to how the Apostle Paul 
in his letter to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians says, when he talks about this greatest desire uh, being met only in Jesus, he says this, when someone's greatest desire is met in Jesus, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the, that the Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. For when I am weak, I am strong. Paul is saying that because of the tension resolved by Jesus, he's no longer held back by the fears of his weaknesses and insecurities. The shame and rejected and guilt that once held him back from people has now become the very boasting points of his life. The things that held him back now, being, now are brought to the surface as a way to point to Jesus. And what does it look like when you get people like Paul and you build a community around it? When you gather people, more and more people like Paul who understand what that gospel community looks like, you get the church, you get Christian community and you see it so clearly in Acts chapter 2, this passage we heard uh, read earlier, this beautiful idyllic picture of what the church and community is. And there's so much going on here, but there's this blueprint of community that we want to uh, explore. And I want to draw your attention to two reflections, two reflections for us in our time together. First is this, that there's this deep devotion we find in Christian community, and also that there's this natural movement we find in Christian community. First, the deep devotion. In those first uh, few verses of Acts chapter 2, 42, 43, you find this uh, devotedness they find themselves, that they're devoted to these things as they gathered, that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, which were just the gospel being iterated over and over again, the grace of Jesus, the life that he lives and the death that he died for each and every one of them. They would be devoted to those things. They were also devoted to fellowship, the communion amongst each other as God was gathering. They were, they were committed and devoted to the breaking of bread, eating together, and they're devoted to prayer. See, devotion is a very strong word. It's very different from interest. When we think of interest and devoted, they couldn't be further apart. See, I have a lot of interest in things. You may have heard a lot of my interest in my time here at Ward. I'm, I have a lot high interest in uh, smoking barbecue. You may have heard me talk about that. I have a high interest in just meat in general. Love it. Uh, I have a high interest in actually just building fires and uh, in a fire pit and just watching that. I have interest in musicals. I think I've shared that as well. And they're all kind of in the same genre. And, but I would never say I'm devoted to any of those things. Those are interests, besides maybe meat. I'm very devoted to meat. But no, the idea is those are just interests in my life, hobbies. But devotion just carries a, a, such a stronger weight behind it. I want to share a story of Alex Hunold. In 2017, this 33-year-old uh, scaled uh, El Capitan, which is this 3,000-foot granite rock in Yosemite National Park, widely considered one of the most challenging uh, walls in all the world. And he was the first person to climb it uh, free solo, free solo. 
with no equipment or ropes. 3,000 feet, no equipment or ropes. And at one point he says, uh, 1,000 feet above ground, he was just hanging on by just his thumbs. Can you imagine that? 1,000 feet above the ground, just barely holding on just by his thumbs. He lives most of the year when he's not climbing these challenging walls uh, as a lifestyle which they would describe as uh, dirt bagging. Dirt bagging, which he calls an intentional choice to prioritize your vocation. Hunold says that I want to climb in the best places in the world and that's my focus. So I'm willing to give up having stability, having a shower, having whatever in order to climb the way I want to. He goes on to say this. I am probably more intentional with the way I live my life than virtually anybody I know. I have made clear choices about what I find value in, what risks I'm willing to take, and I'm doing exactly what I love to do. See, Hunold doesn't have an interest in rock climbing. He is devoted to it. He's orchestrated his entire life around his one singular passion. And the question for us today, the question for you and I, is are we devoted to Christian community? Are you and I devoted to Christian community? Gathering in circles in our homes or elsewhere, in small groups and life groups, have we orchestrated our lives to prioritize this type of community? We often use the phrase family when we talk about church. And uh, I thought this was fascinating. Dr. Stefan Poss, uh, who was a church planner long ago in Amsterdam, but now is a professor in missiology and intercultural studies, uh, talked about the idea of church as family, especially in the context of Amsterdam. And he says this, see, people with Christian background have been raised with the idea of the church as a family. Families stick together. People show up at parties and celebrations, even if they don't like them. And that's what family members do for one another. They're connected by loyalty, duty, and hopefully love. Most other people, at least in Amsterdam, view church as a restaurant. It's a place you go when you are in the mood. In other words, when you feel a spiritual need. You may like this particular restaurant very much, but this does not imply that you will return next week. Interest versus devoted. Restaurant versus family. See, devotion calls for a deeper commitment to your community, even beyond preferences, beyond likability, even beyond shared experiences, and yes, even beyond your own wants. You're devoted to one another because of those things, because someone was so devoted to you, even when you were unlikable, even when you were disagreeable, even when you were unwanted. The Apostle Paul uh, says this phrase, and I, I, I love it. And he says it's uh, this trustworthy phrase, trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that he's clearing out in his letter the statement, the saying that's such a powerful fixture in the life of someone who follows after Jesus. He says this, uh, this saying deserves full acceptance. It's this, Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. 
that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. The Apostle John uh, goes on to say this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The God's love is made complete in us. See, God's devotion to us brings us acceptance. That it saves us when we were not uh, the cream of the crop, when we didn't get it right, when we kept falling down over and over again. God was devoted to us and accepted us. And in turn, God calls us to be devoted to one another, to love one another. And the Apostle John goes further and says, God's love is made complete when that love is shared. When love and devotion meets in community, it says God's love is made complete in the context of community. There's a deep devotion that God is calling each and every one of us. When we talk about the kind of community, the kind of circle he's trying to gather uh, in his church. And as this devoted group of loving men and women and students gather together, you actually find this kind of natural rhythm, natural movement uh, that happens amongst them. So the deep devotion, now this natural movement. Verses 44 through 47 begins to shed light on this kind of movement. It says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of Christian community. There's this common life that uh, people are living where there's sacrifice, compassion, and even praise to God. But we don't want to get so lost in the context of what uh, Acts 2 is happening that we lose the meaning. And what I mean is that most likely God is not calling you specifically to sell your home and all your possessions and give it a well, or give it away. Uh, well, actually, he actually might be, but I don't want you just relying on this text to drive you to that decision. But rather what the text is saying that there's this movement in your life towards your community that brings joy and gladness and graciousness as you fellowship and break bread that leads to compassion, that leads to compassion towards other people. And because of this community that there's this natural expansion of the kingdom of God, including others around your very table, that daily the number grows. More simply, that there's this natural movement in a Christian community between growing inward at the very same time growing outward. That this link is inseparable to God. As you draw closer to God and his people, it actually grows your heart, that grows your mission, grows your passion for those outside of your circle as well. And in that, life begins to flourish. That life begins to flourish as people in community start looking outward to those who are outside. 
I've shared many times with uh, this church that I'm a fan of those Survivor uh, shows, and actually not the show Survivor, but those other ones where they get uh, tossed in the middle of nowhere and they have to uh, make it for a few days. A show I'm recently getting connected to is a show called Alone. Someone uh, passed that on to me, and they get dropped into these harsh climates all around the world. The season uh, I watch is where they got dropped off in the Arctic, and they see how long they can survive. And I was thinking, man, that could be a great team building exercise for uh, our church, maybe our staff. We could send them out into the woods, uh, send them out somewhere and see how long they could make it. And I'd love to hear your comments. Uh, so you can email me or you can put it in the comment box or in the connect card. Who do you think on staff would survive the longest uh, in the woods uh, if they had to survive out there? Uh, my money is on John Beresford. He, he is a very resourceful person, but who knows? Or even Carol Jacoby, probably. But one thing I've learned through all these TV shows and kind of um, observing by watching, not participating, is that you never drink stagnant water. Never drink it. Because in that stagnation, when the water is not flowing, uh, it can be very hazardous and even toxic and even life-threatening if you do end up drinking it. And you hear those examples around the world. Water that's flowing is flourishing and water that is stagnant brings death. And if you read, if you read the rest of Acts and the whole New Testament, it is a constant story of inclusion and expansion. It's a constant story where people are brought in that really didn't seem like they belong, but how the kingdom of God actually continues to expand in the same story. A story of God drawing communities together inward to greater depths of grace and acceptance and love at the same time, compelling them to go outward uh, to a hurting and broken and disenfranchised world. There's this natural movement between the two. And as I say the word natural and I talk about community, uh, it may be a word that you may be taken back by, especially in this time of uh, quarantining and sheltering in place and social distancing. Uh, some people have thrived if you're an introvert and you say the idea of stepping into community uh, seems a bit much. And community may not come naturally to you. It may be difficult, it may be challenging, and even beyond your comfort. But I say natural because it's the natural movement of God. Maybe not us, but it's the natural movement of God as God begins continues to gather people, that he continues to send them out. And it won't be stopped unless forceful people push back against that movement. See, if you allow your comfort for the known, what we know inside uh, this building, what we know inside our little circles, uh, our little friendship neighborhoods, if we are just comfort with what we know, it prevents us from really stepping into the unknown, tackling the fear of the unknown. And we may need a, a supernatural strength to push us, a supernatural uh, strength to uh, transform our communities or even calling a step into new communities. And I, I wanna share with you now uh, in our time, a story of just that of a small group and a couple who stepped into the unknown, stepped into a new 
community. And this is the story of Darren and Kate. And please uh, take a moment to hear their story. I think it's easy to tell yourself that you're not ready for a small group. But the reality is sometimes the best things in life are the hardest things to do initially. And I think a lot of us right now during COVID, we just, we need relationships and we need the ability to talk to somebody and just grow in Christ. I'm Kate, I'm a mom, I'm a CrossFit coach, a personal trainer. I kind of think of myself as somebody who really values health and fitness. I love helping people be healthy, you know what I mean? And help them to realize their health potential. I'm Darren, I work in the footwear industry. Uh, we run a specialty footwear um, operation. I think I'm probably wired most days to want meaning in what I do and want to make sure that what I did had a purpose, even if it's not something revolutionary. Music and, and art have always played a really big role in my life. Those are the things that kind of uh, I'm passionate about and still find a way to try to squeeze into my like adult life. Well, our family is uh, the five of us, Aiden's 16. Um, he's on the spectrum for autism and has a few other impairments. Our son, Wyatt, who's 13, and our daughter, Arwen, who's seven. I would say we're really energetic, super loyal, and we're really a God-loving house. We're not perfect, we're messy. We live by grace and not by perfection, so <laughs> that is really who we are, you know? We had a kind of a strange trajectory in our early marriage. You know, we had Aiden really quickly and having basically lived in a hospital for four months and then coming home, the risk of illness um, kind of, we lived this insulated life where we were like all about survival. And at the same time, the church that we belonged to was kind of falling apart. All these relationships that you had aren't really there anymore. A day became a week, became a month, became years, and then times really got dark. God was incredibly gracious. Our experience in, in even in current state is to look over the last several years and go, He has faithfully pursued me through the worst parts and phases of my life and brought me back into a family that I didn't have before. It's an incredible thing to be in your 40s and then suddenly find yourself discovering Christ again to be better than you've ever known Him to be, and it's come through other people. Obviously on Sundays, there's a lot of uh, encouragement to join a small group, and we met um, the Heisingas, who um, also have a son in uh, the special needs program. And over time, we got to talking, and things developed, and the opportunity presented itself. When our group gets together, there's lots of snacks. We like to snack and have good conversations, just kind of check in with each other, see what's going on with everybody's life. We want to do the hard work to get to know each other and um, pray for each other. And sometimes we make it through uh, the whole study. Sometimes we make it through the um, introductory question. There's generally a physical challenge. Yes, push-up challenges. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I think for me, the biggest benefit uh, being part of a small group is just being able to develop healthy, godly relationships, um, being able to invest in other people's lives and have them also invest in mine. You don't get the same kind of relationship outside of the church sometimes because you don't have the same uh, cornerstone. I hope that when my kids see us in a small group that they know that they can't do it by themselves, that there is power in um, the people of Christ being together. When your kids see you studying the Word of God, it's a great example for them to grow on. I think if you have hesitation about joining a small group, I would say that feels probably pretty natural. 
Um, it's weird to start something with people that you maybe don't know and do something different, but I can tell you from our experience, it's been a, a game-changing effect on our our spiritual life and on our family and our relationships, our experience at Ward. I just think it opened up a whole lot more dimension in our, our walk with Christ and just the quality of our life. It's not a real tough sell to say that most of us are lacking relationship and connectivity in the in real time and space. COVID has changed so many people's lives. Um, we really need one another and I think we need small groups. There's so much good to be found and now is maybe as important a time as ever to, to seek that. What a powerful story of community and small group and uh, stepping into what God has for them. Now I want to introduce Jenny Miller, our director of small groups here at War Church. If you don't know Jenny, please get to know her. Uh, she's amazing and she would love to help you get connected. But Jenny, I, I just want to ask you real quick a little bit about the vision of small groups as it relates to community here at Ward Church. Yeah. Something about our small groups is we're passionate about taking our big church and making it small. Exactly what Soon was saying about rows to circle. And we're really passionate about creating gospel-centered communities. And so I think our vision is to see every single person in church, that means you watching right now, connected into a circle. Circles that are both outward and circles that are both inward. And so that would be my challenge um, to you is if you are already in that circle, but maybe you feel like that outward piece has started to fade, then maybe this is your step to become a host. And if that's true, I would love to talk to you. Um, but if you are saying, I don't even know where to start, I'm not in a circle, then we have that for you too. That's great. And could you share a little bit about what our small group plans are for the fall? So this fall, we're actually just a few weeks away. Um, the first week of October, we are launching our sermon series that also coincides with our small group series. So it's an eight week series through the book of Philippians, and it's focusing on finding joy in all circumstance, which I think we could all use right now. That's great. I think we definitely need that. Even now, how can we have joy through all this? Now, say someone does want to get connected and they don't know you personally and can't text you, so we're not going to put that number up, but would like to get involved, either joining a small group or even hosting a small group uh, at Ward Church. How would they do that? Yeah, you can do that by emailing me. Um, you can also call my office phone number. Maybe don't text me. Um, but I would love to talk to you, whether you want to host or you want to join a small group. Um, you can email me, text me, or even fill out your digital connect card today. So you'll see an option to host. You'll also see an option to join a group. And so you can just click whichever one works for you, and I would love to talk to you. Great. Thank you, Jenny, and thank you for leading our small groups and that community piece, that circle piece here at War Church. Thanks. Yeah, we'll say bye to Jenny as we get ready to end our service by benediction. And always, always, always God invites us into his presence in this time of worship. But he also sends us out with a good word, a promise from scripture. Good words of promise to equip us, transform us, empower us, to send us out into the world who desperately needs to hear the love of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Amen.